0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lens. I'm Harjot Singh, and I will be hosting season four of The Lens. For everyone tuning in for the first time, The Lens is a business in the community podcast in partnership with McCann, in which we bring together experts from my unique network of some of the most purposeful leaders to share insight and expertise that can help the wider business community to meaningfully drive change in a way that creates value. In today's episode, we're going to talk about responsible leadership, digital connectivity and equal opportunity to access technology from businesses, communities and individuals. We will talk about the importance and urgency with which we must lead change to close the digital skills gap throughout the workforce in the UK. And given the exceptional times we find ourselves in, We will talk about how businesses can do more and do better to advance our overall state of well-being as it relates to mental health, sustainability and diversity. All in all, I know we will have a great conversation because we're in great company as we look at these topics through the lens with two amazing guests. First, we have Gavin Patterson, Chairman and Trustee of Business in the Community and President and Chief Revenue Officer of Salesforce. Hello, Gavin. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Great to be here. Our second guest today is one young world ambassador, Dara Latinwo, who's also a manager with Deloitte's Digital Delivery Center in the Middle East region. Hello, Dara.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So Gavin, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how
2: it's shaped you. I read engineering, chemical engineering at university in Cambridge, but I also had my own business at, at university at the same time because I had a yearning for running my own business and I had a, a little market research firm. And through that, I got a taste for FMCG marketing because one of my clients was, was p and I joined P&G. And had the first nine years of my career in various marketing roles in the UK in Europe, and Europe and globally, working on mainly hair care and beauty brands. And it was the best of times. And many of the principles, many of the values, many of the, my philosophy when it comes to, to leadership stem from what I learned during that period. It really was a, a fantastic business education in many ways. And then I moved into BT. British Telecom in 2004 and stayed there 15 years and then became the CEO in, in 2013 till 2019. And then at the age of just over 50, I think I was, I had a that sort of decision on what to do next. And it is quite a difficult decision at that time of your life, having been a CEO relatively young, to know what to do next. So I was working with Salesforce at that point already and uh, an opportunity opened up and I find myself now as the Chief Revenue Officer and enjoying working in a completely different sector, learning a different business, different culture, in a very exciting space. So um, I think I've been very lucky through my career. When I've needed a new opportunity, something, something has come along.
0: That's great. That's really encouraging because that's really what the world needs more of. You're President and Chief Revenue Officer of Salesforce, a multi-billion dollar company. But yet... Many of us know so little unless you're closely connected to that world. And for our listeners out there, how would you explain what business Salesforce is in? How does Salesforce measure success?
2: It's probably the most successful technology company nobody's heard of. Ultimately, you want to be known for the good things you do in the world. And Salesforce's track record and strategy in that area is, is, I think, second to none. Built into The company's ethos, right from the beginning, was a strong sense of social purpose. It is authentically the culture of the business, the leadership of the business, believes that business is a a platform for change and a platform for good in the world and has a responsibility to do that. This is a company that's grown over 20% a year for over 20 years. As far as I know, there isn't any other company in its first 20 years that's achieved that. No U.S. company anyway. And it does so by providing... CRM, customer relationship marketing, software for companies so that they can have a better understanding and direct relationship with their customers. And it it started with sales, but now it's sales, service, marketing, commerce, e-commerce, analytics, field service, education, the the list goes on. And it's market leader in each of these areas or, or, or number two people don't know about its values driven leadership and people don't know about the the breadth of the of the product portfolio uh, mm. and the role it can play in providing a 360 degree view of, of the customer but that's what my mission is to increase awareness of that and you know and continue to to grow on it, the market leadership it has in, in CRM.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful, Gavin. There are certain misconceptions people may ordinarily have about a company like Salesforce, uh, which is so large that it can often be a bit ambiguous. What would you say, Dara, are the biggest misconceptions people might have about Deloitte?
1: in terms of deloitte i always make this joke that when i first had deloitte i was 18 and i thought it was some sort of really delicious pastry so i thought you know what's that can i have some <laughs> because it's not the kind of business that's front and center the same way that salesforce is we're business to business so we're often behind the scenes but enhancing the consumer experience in that way in the background but doing some really powerful things that one of our biggest phrases at the moment is imagine deliver run the future, because actually with a lot of our businesses, with Salesforce, in fact, we're thinking forward as to actually what kind of future are we trying to build? How do we make an impact that matters? How do we, even though we're not seen, be known through actually the impact and the change that we're making in people's lives? I think probably most people won't have any perceptions, but I think when they start to know the things that we do through our customers, they get quite excited about it, even though it's not a French pastry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. You're both representing two very large companies. What do you think, Gavin, coming from PNG that are pioneers in this area of making sure that brands and companies have a clear sense of purpose? Have you invested in that kind of investigation and analysis at Salesforce? And if so, what's the reason Salesforce exists in people's
2: lives? Well, at a personal level, I've always worked for companies that have a strong sense of identity, a strong sense of purpose. And a strong sense of social purpose as well, and that they don't see that as a compromise or in any way a, a sacrifice from, you know, making profits. Ultimately, the two go hand in hand. In terms of the role that Salesforce plays, we'd like to think the, the the role of that key digital advisor for, you know, the CEO, the chief digital officer, as he or she thinks about transforming their business to make them more customer centric. So if you want to be able to have that one-to-one, 360-degree view of your customer through all aspects, every touch point then Salesforce is the right partner for you.
0: Right. And so, Tara, what
2: would you say? Why does
0: Deloitte exist in people's lives?
1: We act across so many different spheres. So, you know, tax, audit, law even, consulting financial advisory, we do almost everything, you name it, probably Deloitte's there and doing it. So I think really the reason that we exist is to try and push forward what we see as a more progressively and productively put together future. We, we always say making the future with, we're often partnering with more customer facing businesses. And it's this idea that we're trying to work with them to create either a different version of their product or a different version of themselves, because organizations are often having to evolve, or kind of improve or enhance themselves or kind of completely pivot to a different way of doing things. So for us, it's it's facilitating change, hopefully change in the right direction and change in a way that's also sustainable. We're also thinking a lot about workforce transformation. What are the skills that people need for the future of work? What does that mean for how society is are structured and how they're moving forward. In fact, to sum it up, it's facilitating change that benefits as many people as we can. What
0: would you say are some of the other areas where you feel as a business, you have to set an example for other businesses to be more
2: responsible? Technology can be used for good, and in many cases it is, but you need to protect against the bad actors and misuse of technology. We have an advisory board who look at the more difficult use cases and provide a perspective and a recommendation on whether or not uh, the, the technology can be used and, and we're prepared to use it in, in certain more controversial situations. If you set out your policy clearly and you have the right assurance and, and uh, process around it, then actually you can provide leadership. Beyond that, the 111 model, which was something that Mark Benioff conceived when he founded uh, Salesforce in 99, was that he wanted to be able to contribute 1% of profits to philanthropy, 1% in terms of giving technology away, and 1% of profits in terms of volunteering. And that is embedded within all aspects of the company. And that is a leading position that others have have joined. One example of this, COVID was biting. The company was quickly able to pivot to use its supply chain expertise and its relationships to get 50 million pieces of PPE in a matter of weeks and that's an example of of showing business leadership and agility we've got a role in ensuring that we have a, a safe and more equitable world and um know, we're going to show leadership in that.
1: That's really interesting. I think that's going to be like one of the biggest questions for the coming like years and decades when we start to discover more and more about what technology can do. But then we have to ask the bigger question about what it should do. And purpose has to play out in that way. You know, purpose can't be sort of spurts of activity here or there. It's actually got to be kind of undergirding everything.
0: No, it's a great answer because even the year we've had and, you know, in the spirit of responsible business, it's the ability to respond in real time. Is there something you would say you wish you could do more, different or
2: faster? With all these things, you always want to do more uh, and you always want to go faster. One example that comes to mind is is the position the company has taken on planting trees and and the role that trees could play in taking carbon out of the atmosphere. With the ambition to plant a trillion trees, that was a, an initiative that Salesforce and Mark Benioff launched in January last year. And. And now over 50 companies have joined that initiative to plant a billion trees around the world to reverse the impact of climate change. If it succeeds, we'll have a, a massive impact on the sustainability of the planet.
0: So much farther and broader than what the traditional remit of your business would be. Tara, I feel you were going to say something.
1: Yeah. Gavin, you mentioned that a lot of your philosophy around leadership was developed in you know, Procter & Gamble. Like what, what was that philosophy that kind of emerged from your time there?
2: Well, P&G believes in brands, the power of brands, thinking about how people use your products or services and how people buy products and services and, and what they're looking for and watching people and listening to people uh, is something that, you know, I learned the importance of it in, in, from those days. And and that's, that's fundamental to any business. I think the second thing I'd call out is P&G only promote from within, I can't. Guarantee they still don't now. To make that work, you have to build leaders who not only build a business and drive business results, but also prove that they have a pedigree in in building the organization, in developing future leaders, in exporting talent. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, one-to-one coaching, using every meeting as, as an opportunity to teach and learn was ingrained from the early days. So a typical meeting at p the most junior person runs the meeting. It's not the senior person. It's very empowering, it's such a rich learning experience.
1: Yeah,
0: I think it's so much so it creates a culture of responsibility. And I really think that that's something that's a good example for the world at large. Dara, let's talk about you now. So why don't you tell us a little bit about One Young World, your role in it, <laughs> and more so, importantly, your role at Deloitte and what drew you to that role? Because I think they're all interconnected.
1: I was 16, 17 um, when someone came into our school to present on something called what was at the time the Deloitte Scholarship Scheme, where you could do a gap year internship at Deloitte before university. So I applied um, bright eyed and bushy tailed, hoping I'd get it. Fortunately, I did get it. And so I spent my gap year as an 18-year-old feeling really grown up and super rich on prorated graduate salary, working with adults in what felt like a very adult environment. Going from school, right, you're being managed, being told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, to an office environment when actually you're told you know, you're responsible for your own time. We're trusting you and it's for you to manage upwards manage yourself was, uh, there was no one lower than a scholar at that time, so you would never manage downwards. You know, just managing in those two ways was really exhilarating and and something that gave me a a lot more confidence and assurance as I went through that seven-month period. After that, I went to better university, Gavin, Oxford, and I did economics and management. After university, I moved to China, lived and worked there for a bit in Shanghai teaching economics. But then the company that I taught in, there was an opening for a sort of strategy talent director and um, the managing director kind of liked some of the things I'd done part-time on the side after work, after teaching. So inviting me to take on the role which is quite fun. And then I kind of moved back to the UK for a little bit. And for the second half of that second gap year, I relocated to Peru. I wanted to challenge myself to see, okay, how can I perform not in English? There was a business development centre there, which was focused on seeing how they could uplift businesses in the community. So in line with that sustainability aspect, I'd been growing more and more passionate about so that was like a very interesting thing—just upping and leaving at 22. My parents were a bit shocked. <laughs> After doing that for about half a year, I came back and did the standard graduate thing of joining Deloitte again, and that's how I found myself in the Middle East, looking at future work, digital acceleration, leadership development. But in the midst of all of that, because I did some work in a tax department in Deloitte before I kind of switched into consulting, I'm also a chartered accountant. And I think it's just a case of saying yes to a lot of things, which is a big message I send to young people. Just say yes, so long as it's not jumping off a cliff without a parachute. Say yes. Because I'm part of the ICAW, they selected me to be their representative at One Young World. And One Young World is a British-based organisation, which is focused on sort of empowering young leaders around the world. And so as part of that nomination, I was uh, invited to go to their annual summit, which was in Bogota, Colombia. And for me, that was just fantastic because it was, it was connected with other young people who were doing phenomenally amazing things. But again, it, it's that, that power of connection, that power of relationship, and i really appreciate it a lot more now because that type of large scale conference is not the type of thing that you can do right now it's been a really interesting community to to be part of and and kind of think through what impact you can have
0: it's a great story there's a pattern that emerges in all of that as well one of course it's in it is implicit your message to a generation is to say yes more often and yes. and to be open to the spirit of exploring, because that's kind of how you're going to find your own path to live up to your potential. And I think that's a great message. You've talked about sustainability and business with a conscience and the fact that we have both the responsibility and the obligation to deliver on that. Gavin's talked a little bit about how Salesforce are doing everything within their control to not just change the world that they touch, but the wider world in which they inhabit. What do you think Deloitte are doing specifically to deliver on their purpose in your understanding on being a responsible business?
1: I think we actually very firmly consider what things we get involved in. Because you're behind the scenes, it can sometimes feel like there's there's less scrutiny. And so I think other organisations in a similar position can feel the temptation to just say yes to anything that you know boosts that bottom line, increases profit. We actually think very carefully about What is the societal impact? We do a lot of stuff around digital transformation and the implementation of enterprise solutions and automation and things that will potentially have an impact on employment. So increasingly, we're thinking about what do we do with these people who potentially risk being adversely impacted by the the march and the kind of rise of the machines? And it's thinking, okay, in advance of this implementation and in advance of actually progressing with this, we think about where do these people go? How do we prepare those people? What are the opportunities within the broader industry network to kind of redeploy these people? I think it's not enough to say, oh, people need to learn, unlearn and relearn. It's so important to think about the implication of that phrase. How do we make that quicker, that cycle of learning, unlearning, relearning? How do we make it affordable so it's accessible? Because if it's not affordable, people won't be able to get the ability to upskill. And how do we make it enjoyable? Because if it's not enjoyable, it's not going to be attractive and people won't want to do it. And we have to get those three things right. You know, doing it quickly enough, affordably enough and enjoyably enough that you can actually scale it nationally and then internationally. Because it's a big challenge, you know, thinking about how we bridge that gap from the the now to the then or the the future, where the nature of work is going to be different.
0: Right. And speaking of the future, it's just become so clear, speaking with the both of you, how digital technology is going to play a role in all of this. And, you know, Dara, you're a young leader from a generation that's quite different from most, if not all, existing business leaders. How do you feel as a young leader yourself that tomorrow's leaders are going to be different?
1: I think... Tomorrow's leaders are going to have perhaps a very deep awareness of how purpose needs to bleed into everything. There's, I think, a lot more clarity around what things aren't working and the fact that profit isn't the only thing, which perhaps wasn't quite an accepted viewpoint if you're thinking like in the 70s and the 80s there are a lot of different things that the market doesn't take into consideration and so i think tomorrow's leaders will have a much deeper appreciation of that they're seeing more things that perhaps weren't seen so i think that's just going to influence a lot of the different ways in which they operate i think profit will have a role to play when you're thinking about economic sustainability you need to have a way to kind of pay for things, but it's not the only form of sustainability.
0: Kevin, what do you think, you know, as a seasoned and experienced leader yourself, like what would you say are the biggest opportunities for tomorrow's leaders to lead
2: responsible business and drive change? I would call out a couple of things. I think the need for vision, the need for a sense of purpose, driving the business, a sense of social purpose being fundamental to the business. I, I think that remains as important, if not more important than it, it has done in the past. What I would say is, for multiple reasons, the the world feels a little bit less stable a place. Should we say that? And it could be climate related, it can be pandemic related, it can be the movement of data around the world, you know, anti-globalisation. Being able to navigate through what are going to be choppy waters for certainly the foreseeable future. You know, leaders need to be agile. They need to be nimble. They need to be able to respond to events without losing sight of the the goal, and they need to be resilient. Being able to ensure that you continue to to move the business forward, you know, um, continue to deliver on your your goals and your purpose um, as as things go wrong for you, as well as the times when things go right. I think. That sense of resilience, that sense of purpose, if you like, is what young leaders, I think, are going to have to really excel at.
0: That's really helpful because we're sowing the seeds now from a lot of work that we've done before in the years prior. But it's a work in progress. We're now living and doing business in a time when the whole definition of success is more multifaceted than it's ever been before. So now it's about profit in the context of people and planet profit that delivers on priorities relating to sustainability and people's health, wellness, and most importantly, a sense of inclusion and belonging. As leaders from two massively influential and profitable organisations in this sense, what would you say, in one quick response, are you going to commit to doing to help others make progress in this direction? What's your personal commitment to this?
2: Well, I I think it comes from setting an example, Harjo, both from a corporate perspective, but also at a personal perspective. It's about going beyond doing the minimum and not doing things for show, doing them because they're necessary and they have meaning. It's all about setting out a position that goes beyond what people expect and then inspiring others to come on board and to try and take that mantle with you and try and share the responsibility. Tara, what would you say is your personal commitment to this?
1: I think my personal commitment would be supporting others to make connections, because when I think about all the kind of opportunities that have come my way and that have been most exciting, most enjoyable, they've always come through other people. It's been a very sort of generous expansion of relationships. I think, again, you know, despite the, what the pandemic's done, actually... Um, ironically, relationships are now more easily global because people are just a Zoom call away. So I think being available to people listening and then thinking, actually, who would they be good to speak to? Who can I put them in touch with? You know, what doors can I help open for them?
0: Thank you. That's great. I just want to say thank you again to the both of you for joining us today. I so appreciate the generosity and authenticity with which you both brought your whole selves to this conversation and offered so much of yourselves. You've been listening The Lens. The Lens is a business in the community podcast in partnership with One Young World and McCann. If you like what you've heard, then please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps and makes a difference. So thank you. Also, we're on Instagram at The Lens Podcast or in business in the community website. I'm Harjot Singh. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Goodbye.